Okay. We'll talk to you in a bit then. I'm getting ready to teach class. Bye. Here you go. Watch this. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it more palatable. Uh, that's all right. I'm used to strong coffee. Just one second. Give me one second. Dinner for who? Our old dude who used to go to the church. He was, uh, where did he live in Kentucky? Yeah. He was from that. He was from down in County, Ohio. Yeah, he didn't eat anything. Roadkill, rabbits. Oh, man. We're going to call him nice. Hey, there's coffee here if anybody wants any. There's strong on top and probably normal on the bottom. Or normal -er. Gotta tell him, Joe. Just tell him, hey, we might have dinner for you tomorrow night. Man, I came over today and it smelled like cat out here. Yeah. And I'm thinking somebody shot some cats and stuck them. No, the the. Oh, <laughs> you didn't put anything in the trash cans, did you? No, I did kill another one. <laughs> and I told Tina, I'm like, no, I'll put that other one in there just for spite, just to mess with. Oh no, you can't do that. They don't know. Yeah. Oh, I don't care. It doesn't bother me none. <laughs> Romans chapter 4. Does anybody remember where we stopped last time? Yeah, I thought we was in 6. 6, 7, and 8. Yeah, I've got all the way down to 8. 8? Okay, that's good. We'll do, I'll just start at 6 because I'll just bust through there real quick. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. I just thank you for a place that we can come. Thank you for a Bible that we can hold in our hands. What a blessing it is. Again, Lord, bless this week, uh, the, all the stuff that's getting ready to happen here, and uh, then camp next week, Lord, and just uh, start working in the young people's hearts and everybody else's hearts, Lord. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people, 160 people there, uh, Lord, they're all going to get uh, fed for a week, uh, spiritually and carnally, Lord, so I just pray that you'd uh, go before us, give Dr. Peacock what we need, and all the other preachers are going to be preaching. And Father, again, we'll praise you on you in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. There will be additional preachers this year, there, uh, one before Dr. Peacock will preach a different one every night. So the, that way everybody can get, get some preaching in. But it's, it's going to be an interesting camp. They're gonna, I think they're going to start blacktopping Wednesday. So hopefully they'll be done with that. Uh, but Genesis, uh, Romans chapter 5, uh, 4, verse 6, we're talking about Abraham here. And the, the chapter starts out, 4 starts out, what shall we say then? Uh, is, uh, that Abraham our father, as pertaining the flesh, had found. Well, uh, so he uses Abraham as an example because Abraham's just prior to the law. Uh, and then he goes in, he's starting talking about the difference between the law and grace and the law and, and being under law and grace. And then six, he says, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. So it's a comparison of, of works versus uh, righteousness or salvation. Uh, uh, and so many people, our churches today have got to miss. Oh, man, I tell you what, I was, I was sitting there telling Beth on the way over here. Uh, if I go through everything I got right here, uh, you're going to see why everybody hates Dr. Peter S. Ruckman. Uh, they hate him. The, uh, Dr. Peter S. Ruckman, they'll, they'll come up with about 47 things why uh, they hate him, but he would be the Albert Einstein of Bible scholars in the country, in the world, is what he would be. Uh, that's what the guy is. And so he's, his mind is opened up to some more things, and he can throw these verses in and pull them in and bring them down and, and put them in a place where all of a sudden you see things that, that if, if the typical Christian out there locks themselves into this planet, 
then they're going to have to, everything has to be done on this planet. That wasn't God's plan. It never was God's plan. God's plan goes way beyond this planet. And we have a part of what goes on beyond this planet. But if you don't rightly divide the Bible, if you don't know how to lay it into place, when these things come in, you're, you don't know where to put them. And you, just like the Jehovah's Witnesses, they say, well, the 144,000 in the book of Revelation, uh, the, the, uh, the, those are priests, Levitical priests, uh, and no, they're not Levitical. They're priests that chose out Jerusalem, 12,000 from each tribe. And those guys spread out across the world to preach during the tribulation. They say that that's them. And once they got to the 144,000, they had an issue. And now they have to go, well, these 144,000, they get to go to heaven. And we, everybody else, stays down here on the earth. Well, I think that's like a cheap shot because if you're not one of the, if you, it's like Amway. If you didn't get in at the beginning of the pyramid at the top, you're down at the bottom, you're just scum. But that's not what God did. God never did that. And Doc, what he did is he starts peeling that stuff off and he reads the stuff that everybody else read or wrote and then he can start pulling this stuff out. And God just gave him a mind for that. So it says, even as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Uh, if we, if we read, I know Psalm 32, but let's look at that real quick again. Just real quick. Psalm 32. The Lord gave us something at, at the day you got saved that goes beyond. I mean, it's, it's an eternal thing. And when you start seeing, and, and Paul, he says a couple things here in a couple verses down from this, that once you start getting into this stuff and, and use the Zodiac, if I mentioned the Zodiac to most people, they'd say, oh, that's wicked. And that's a, uh, actually the Zodiac plays into your eternity. Uh, it's just that the world has taken it the wrong way. And, and the devil always takes something that God does and twists that thing to an evil thing. Where when you start getting in here, I'll, I'll just give you a little taster here. Uh, the, ah, better not, man. I'll, I'll stick right with you. Uh, Psalm 30, 32, 1. Blessedness, blessed is the man, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sins is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whom, whose spirit there is no guile. That was David. David, go to 52. Now, I looked at 52 real quick, or 51, Psalm 51. David uh, had an issue with Bathsheba. Uh, he killed Uriah the Hittite, uh, and I, I got the verse here, but he, he should have been killed. That's exactly what should have happened to him. Uh, Psalm 51, 16. Uh, actually, uh, 51, 1 says, have mercy, uh, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. The, the whole psalm here deals... Uh, with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite, the sin that David committed. And he should have died right there. Uh, this is the, when he committed this, verse 16, uh, it says right here, it says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, and this is the God. This is God's choice. God always has the choice into doing whatever he wants. For, the, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. David would have gave anything to get back to the Lord. It was a heart thing. It wasn't that he would have just gave what he had. It was his heart. His, his heart was, he had a heart toward God. He said, David was a man after my own heart. Uh, Abraham was a friend of God. So when the Lord looked down here at David, it wasn't that he was out to just throw people into hell, and that's where we all mess this thing up. God's looking at the heart, and, and you get Ahab. Ahab was a wicked man, married Jezebel, a wicked wife. And Ahab got something right one time and got in ashes and sackcloth. And the Lord goes, look at Ahab. He's got, he said, so I won't bring what I, I'm going to still curse the place, but I won't do it in his lifetime because he just did that. So God is always looking to have mercy. 
He's not looking to put the thumb down and kill us. He's looking to have mercy, and he's looking for that heart that will, will listen. And that's what David said here. So he said, um, uh, verse, verse uh, what did I say, 16, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God, that will not despise. The reason trials and tribulations come in our lives is to break us. Uh, human nature is arrogant uh, to start with. Uh, we come in and it's a, we think it's a strife, strife and a struggle for us and we have to win. Uh, everybody has to have a win-win. I like win-win-win-win scenarios. So it's not just me winning, it's everybody around us winning. Uh, and if you ever get to the place where you try to make everybody win, what you find yourself doing is you're, you're, you have to open yourself up to a lot of different things so everybody has the same opportunity to do and be successful in what they're doing. David is sitting here saying, God wants that. That's what God wants. He has the ability to make everybody successful in what he wants them to do. But if we won't do that thing, he's going to keep doing what he does to us to break us. And when we get to the place where we're broken, that's usually where God will start working with us right there. Uh, I mean, he'll start dealing with it. Look at Mary. Even Mary, when she had Jesus, she was pregnant out of wedlock. To the rest of the world, she looked like a whore. She looked like a, a uh, what do they call it, a, a lady of the evening, you know, a harlot, a harlot. Uh, and Mary wasn't that, so she was probably taking all kinds of grief and, and, and uh, stuff over that. Joseph seen that. He was going to put her away privately because he said, I can't marry her because of that. And the Holy Spirit came to her and him and told him what to do, and he did, and the angel came. And he did what he was supposed to do. And the next thing you know, now we got Jesus Christ, and he came and he's born, and it was going to happen anyways. So God's looking for mercy. He wants to give mercy not the law. But if we want to apply the law, and that's what Paul's talking here, if you want to take the law and live the law, then you're going to have to live it to the letter. Because, and you can't. You can't. He, and he keeps showing that you can't do it. Uh, David messed up. He committed two sins. Uh, there, was no, there was no sacrifice in the Old Testament for either one of these sins. He committed adultery and he committed murder. He killed Uriah the Hittite. The Lord even said that several times, only in the matter of Uriah. He got so mad. I'll tell you what, you want to see something interesting? You don't think God pays you back later? Go to Matthew chapter 1. God, the Lord, never forgets. <laughs> he may forgive, but he don't forget. Tamar, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Tamar was Judah. Uh, she played the harlot on the side of the road, got pregnant, had Pharez. Uh, and Pharez is in the bloodline of, of Solomon. Uh, but... Uh, not, yeah, Solomon. So he, got, he has Thera, uh, Thamar in there. Uh, Rahab, uh, you go down to verse 5. Rahab, the harlot's in there. Uh, verse, at the end of verse 5, Ruth is in there. Of her that had been the wife. Again, you can go down to verse 6. And Jesse begot David, the king. And David, the king, begot Solomon. Of her, he didn't even mention her name. He mentioned Rahab, the harlot. He mentioned uh, uh, Tamar. He mentioned Ruth. But when it got down to Bathsheba, he didn't even mention her. He goes, of her that had been the wife of Uriah. He mentioned Uriah. He said, you mess with Uriah, man. He goes, That's, I want you to know, I want everybody else to know, you mess with my guy, I'm going to let you know right now. And he, God's never forgot that thing. Uh, David, David, but he forgave him. And he lost a son. He lost that little baby, had to die because of that. And David mourned for seven days on that thing. And David knew what grace was. So God could apply grace in the Old Testament to Abraham, to David, to several people because they understood what God was looking for and took it. You know, in the New Testament, salvation is, is an easy thing to get. It's easy to get if you understand what God's looking for. If you just say some words, it don't count. 
So getting somebody just repeat off the back of a gospel track, uh, and, and you'll hear, then what you'll have is people go, they'll go from one side to the other. Well, over here, that's a work. That's a work. No, it's, it's you got to get somebody to understand. And if somebody can understand that they're the sinner and he's the Savior and they have a broken heart about the thing and realize that, hey, I'm on my way to hell, they can get saved. That is grace. That is salvation. The law sits there and says you're going to be judge, 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 judge. On the other side of this thing, God says, I'm going to give you grace. That's what he's talking about all through this thing. If David had been charged with the sin, he would have been put to death immediately. Boom, just like Joab. David had Joab killed. David had a couple other people killed after he died. He said, Solomon, don't forget these people. He said, don't you forget them. They've done but David, David knew he couldn't do it on his watch, but he said, don't let them get by, and he didn't. Uh, Joab was the next one. Uh, uh, there's several of them that died right there when Solomon took over. Micah 6, 5 says this. Oh, my people, remember now what Balak the king. Now, this is, now he's going to start talking about some grace here because we're talking about David. He goes, remember what Moab the king or Balak, uh, king of Moab, consulted and what Balaam the son of Beor answered uh, him from uh, Shittim to Gilgal that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. Well, if you go back to Numbers 23, real quick. Look at that, man. I already went to a whole page. I'm trying to buzz through it as fast as I can. I want to get to some of this other stuff, but I'll tell you what. It's a, I feel like every time I read Doc's stuff, I, I understand what he's saying. I'm just, it's just so far from the common line of, of Christian thinking that... Uh, we, we, we sit there and think that all I did was I get saved and I sit there, I guess, until I die, go out and pass out tracts and clean the church and do this and cut the grass and do all this, which all this stuff needs to be done. But, brethren, we are, we are more valuable than that. He did not just save you to have you sit here. There is a purpose behind what he saved you for. Uh, Numbers 2320. 2320. Uh, he says, unto a stranger. Uh, wait a minute, am I in the right place? I am. No, I'm in Deuteronomy. That's why I don't sound right. I thought something was wrong there. Numbers 23:20. Balak, seen the children of Israel coming up out of Egypt. They come up across the land. He starts freaking out, and he wants Balaam to come up. And Balaam, Balaam had a, a talk with God. He's a Gentile priest. He had a he had a relationship with God. He could actually talk to him. Uh, the Lord talked to him. He says, "Behold, I have received commandments to bless, and he had blessed." Verse 20, and he had blessed. I cannot reverse it. Uh, you know, the Lord got mad at him because he told him, he said, he said, if they come up to you, then go. Sometimes we just do not listen to what God says. People, we, we want, Balaam got greedy because of what Balak was offering him, and he just went with them. The Lord said, no, you, you can't go with them unless they come and get you. And they didn't come and get him. He went with them. He just went and got them, and, and he took off out of Dodge. And because of that, he ends up on the wrong side of the, these, the history here. Uh, verse 21, he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Now we're going through Genesis on Sunday morning. I can show you where iniquity is all in Jacob. The Lord don't see that. And that's like he don't see that in us. When you get saved, what he's looking at is he's looking at the saved part of you. The devil wants to bring up the, the, the flesh part of us. The Lord says, I don't see that. I see the, the soul. I see the soul sealed until the day of redemption. That's what I see. He's my son, or he's, she's my daughter. They're sinless. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen uh, perverseness in Israel. He killed everybody going into the promised land. He did not let Jacob, or uh, Moses didn't get to go in. Aaron didn't get to go in. 
Joshua and Caleb were the only two that were left out of the entire million men that were allowed to go into the promised land. He killed them all. And he sits there and says he doesn't see uh, perverseness in Israel. He says, you're stiff-necked and hard. Get out of my way. Moses, I'm going to kill him. And Moses, no, 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 don't kill him. And the other time, Moses says, Get up, kill him, Lord, kill him. And the Lord doesn't do it. He goes, the Lord, uh, the Lord, his God is with him, and the shout of the king is among them. So Balaam, basically, and that's why Paul is mentioning him here. He's saying, even in the Old Testament, the Lord, when he looks at his son, Israel, uh, he doesn't see iniquity in Israel as a nation. He doesn't see that. Uh, Satan is always going to try to bring stuff up. And a lot of times he'll do that to us. Uh, Balaam, Balaam comes to Balak, the king, and says, I want, I want you to curse me. I want you to curse Israel for me. Curse him. Curse him. And he thinks that, you know, I can pay you enough money. And that's religion. That's law. He thinks I can pay you enough money and I can get whatever I want. To do. Religion is not... Uh, being a priest, being a, uh, a preacher, being a pastor is not what you're seeking. You're seeking the Lord. And if the Lord wants you to do something, I do what I do because that's what he told me to do, and I have no choice to do it. Uh, am I cut out to do this? I don't think I am. Apparently, he thinks something totally different than I think. Uh, in such a way that he had Dr. Ruppman sign my ordination papers. I, I don't know. I, I still to this day, I get to heaven and I say, Lord, are you sure you, sure you got the right guy? But there's a, I know a lot of guys who want it just because uh, they think it's, it's prestige. You know, it's, it's a position. It's this. I, you know, I, I become the big guy. No, it, it's not that. It's not that. It's something totally different. You're supposed to be a servant. Uh, you hear me every now and say, well, I was over here raking gravel. Well, what do you think you should do? I mean, a, a shepherd, if a shepherd has a bunch of sheep, you don't ever see the sheep building pens. You never see the sheep building anything. They don't go out and get the feed to feed the sheep. The shepherd goes out and gets the feed. So you know what the shepherd does? He, he actually goes out and gets all the stuff, does what needs to be done, so he can, the sheep can come in. And, and my uncle had a, a dairy farm. I'd go out there and spend summers with him all the time. And every morning, about 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, all his cattle would come, all his uh, milking cows would come in a single line. And they'd come right up to the barn, and they'd all walk in the barn, and they'd all walk through the little stalls, and the rest of them would wait outside until these all got, they'd all come back in, and then at every night about 4 or 5 o'clock, they'd do the same thing again. He didn't have to go get them. He didn't, you know what he had to do? He had to make a barn, and he had to make a place where these guys knew that they could get their milk out of them because it started to hurt. They, they did exactly what they should do. Cattle did. Dairy cows did. But the, the farmer had to do the work to get the thing together. That's what a servant does. So many people think, you guys should do everything. No, I think you should do some things. But it should be to the place where if the pastor doesn't do it, there's something wrong. Because he's not acting like the shepherd anymore. And that, the Lord, I think he calls certain people to do certain things, but he doesn't call everybody to do it. David, what he's showing you in the Old Testament, is a whole bunch of people that just wanted the position because Dathan and Abiram, uh, we're just as good as you. No, you're not. I'm sorry you're not. You're not like Moses. First of all, you don't have the fire come down out of the sky and land on the temple for you. you don't, but people don't see that. These guys never saw that. They saw all the stuff, but they forget it that quick. And you're going to go up against this guy, and he, there's fire over there, and smoke and lights, and the Red Sea splits, and man, it comes down, and he hits the rock, and water comes out, and you can't do none of that. And you're, it's like Pharaoh going through. I, I, it boggles me every time I see that thing. Moses holds out his stick. I've been across the Red Sea. I've been across that spot on a boat, on a ship. I, I know that's a big place. That's a big place. 
I don't believe it's up here in the bitter waters where people say, I think it's right out in the middle of the Red Sea where it's deep and you can't see either side. And he holds that stick up and, and that thing splits apart. And it goes up on both sides to where you can see it walled on both sides. That's what the Bible says. And they walk across on dry ground and they forget it. We do that all the time. Uh, I, I mentioned that Sunday morning. There's, there's hilltops in our lives and we forget those things because for some reason we put them in the background, forget them. And those are the things God does for us. David is, uh, Paul is describing the difference between grace, salvation, righteousness, and the law sitting here. And if you don't ever get a hold of God, you can't understand this side. Because it's all, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And that's where Paul's at right now. He's down there talking to these people, and they're all stuck on these. It's a, Christianity is a new thing. Now, the, the, go back to Romans. Romans chapter 4. Christianity is relatively a new thing. Uh, what Paul is talking here, he's talking to people, and uh, you're 60 AD, so it's, it's almost uh, 27 years after uh, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. He writes this book, if, if the time where we're at is, is here. People are still, they're still trying to grasp what is the difference between, I, I can't do this. Well, the Old Testament Jew has to do all this stuff. We don't have to do nothing that. Uh, this is, uh, at the same time, and uh, let me if you were saved, let me get back to where I was at. Old Testament, Balaam. Uh, Balaam and Balak tried to curse me. He couldn't. Uh, what, what we just read in 23 about Balak and Balaam, uh, Numbers 23, is a picture of what happens in heaven. It's exactly what the devil does. The devil is coming up to, Balaam would be the picture of God, and Balak would be the picture of the devil. And the devil comes up to Balaam and says, curse him. And he says, I can't curse him. I can't. I, there's no, I don't see nothing wrong with him. I don't, he's, God looks at Israel like that. Guess what? He looks at us the same way. He calls the accuser of the brethren, Revelation 12, 20, Satan. Uh, he comes before the Father, and he points to some child. He does that to us. Have you ever felt like, man, I said, the Lord's mad at me. Uh, he can't love me because I'm a sinner. Uh, but if you're saved, there's a part of you. You're, you're, you were sealed until the day of redemption. You were sealed. Uh, he's going through that in Galatians too. Ephesians is going to get into it. He, he, he circumcises. We talked about circumcision. You get a spiritual circumcision. Ladies, same thing with you. You get a spiritual circumcision where he cuts the flesh away from the soul. In the Old Testament, it says, soul that sinneth it shall die. So they're tied together. What he does in the New Testament, he cuts that thing apart. He, he brings your spirit back to life. And now your spirit's alive. Your soul is cut apart from your flesh. And then he seals this thing. He wraps the Holy Spirit around it. You sealed it until the day of redemption. This is what the Lord looks at when he looks at you. He does not look at this. He judges that in your flesh. You will pay for some things you do in your flesh. However, this is what he sees. So when the devil comes up here and says, look, did you see what they just did? No, nope, don't see it. No, nope, don't see it. Don't see it. Don't see it. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. You'll, you'll get what you're going to get. But I'm telling you, what he's looking at is a sinless perfection. You're going to heaven. You can't get out of it. He comes before the Father. He does exactly what Balaam did. Balak does. Uh, Balaam says, I can't curse him. I can't. How can you curse something God did not curse? Uh, and that's what he's trying to get here. So when you start looking at all this stuff Paul's talking about, he's, he's trying to separate the two things in some people's minds. We have that problem today. We are so wrapped up in, uh, I was in Dr. Jack Howell's church for two years. Uh, they worked them people to death. They worked them to death. 
Soul winning. This one. Now, now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with soul winning. I think you should go soul winning. I think you should pass the track out. I think you should tell somebody about Jesus Christ. I think you should do it with, with a uh, desire in your heart that they'll get it and that they'll see something in you and they can see the light on your face. But if, if I'm going to sit there and make people go out three or four times a week, well, they got family issues. But you know what a lot of people do? They'll say, well, well the other side of this thing is I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. I don't have to do nothing. I'm saved. I, and something will always come up to keep you from doing that. So what the bigger churches do is they kind of make these programs, so they force everybody into this thing. And people, Christians, just think, well, I've got to do that. Uh, Bill Grady was on my ordination committee. He sat in Jack Howell's church for a lot of years. He's on the boards up there. He told me, he said, Mike, did you ever see, you were there for two years? I said, yeah. He goes, did you ever see a pew added to that church? I said, no. He said, but as many people got saved, don't you think a pew should be added? We don't have to add pews yet because we still got space. But if you're going to say 10,000 people in your Sunday school and all these people get saved every year, I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and you never add a pew to the church, he said, don't you think that's kind of strange? I said, yeah. I said, what is that, Dr. Bill? He goes, because you run off as many as you get in. He goes, the, you're losing, if you get 100 in, you lose them, and then you train these to work, 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 and you wear them out, and then you just keep going. That's what he did. So there's a difference. If you don't get it, what happens is you feel like you're under this burden that you've got to do stuff. Paul's trying to remove the burden completely off of us. Uh, there, this is, is where justification comes in. Not only do you, a saved sinner, have the righteousness of God imputation in you. It was imputed to you. Uh, God, God uh, does not count sin towards you anymore. If you get over to 1 John chapter 2, I believe, he says, uh, uh, and he, well, let's go there real quick. Strange verse, strange verse. 1 John. 1 John. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Well, has anybody in here sinned lately at all? Be honest, come on. Look at that. The back row's honest. The back row, backsliders back there, they know, they know. Okay, I have two. You see my hand up? But he says, right, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. So that means you're not born of God? No, it doesn't mean that. He says, for his seed remaineth in him. That means I got saved. I got saved. That thing's inside me. I can't lose it. It's in there. It's, I'm wrapped. My soul is sealed. My spirit is sealed. Ephesians. Uh, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. I got born again. Now that I'm born again, what God looks at is my flesh. He doesn't look at my flesh. He's looking at my, guess what you said? The Old Testament, soul the sinneth, it shall die. Well, when you get separated, what this flesh does no longer goes to where your soul is at. You, now, I'm not saying you don't have to pay for that. I'm just saying that the two are separate. They're two separate entities. And that's why you all hear the old man, the new man. And Paul talks about that stuff, and we'll get into some of that too. Uh, God legally counts your sin as paid in full. God views your body of sin as dead. It died at the cross of Calvary. It's still in the tomb with Jesus Christ. That's where he sees the thing. Uh, that's why he says, uh, I die daily. Paul, but it's, it's a thing of sanctification, daily sanctification. I was sanctified the day I got saved. So my spirit was pulled. Man, there's so much stuff happened to us when we got saved. It's unbelievable. My spirit, my soul was brought, spirit brought to life. My soul was, uh, and spirit was sealed until the day of redemption. I was sanctified right there. Now daily, I have to sanctify this flesh. This flesh is going to do whatever it wants to do. And I got to stop it. That's why Paul said, I die daily. So he's taking care of this. And then one day I'll die and I go to heaven. I'll get fully sanctified. I'll be done. So there's three levels of sanctification. Brother Rue talked about that a while back. 
God views your body as dead. Uh, your body of sin is dead and buried. It was executed with Christ at the cross, and, and it, the, the rest of you are laid in a tomb somewhere. The thing that comes out of the, that tomb when it came out was not the old Adam. It was a glorified body of Jesus Christ that came out of that tomb. He, he, his body was changed. He could, do, he could eat. He could do whatever he wants. Now, there's a lot of stuff when we start getting into here, a couple things here in a few minutes. There's a lot of stuff that goes along with that. He was showing them some stuff which was way beyond where they could think. You wouldn't think your little Bible would hold that kind of information. They're still sitting there worried about, oh, oh the Lord died on the cross, and what are we going to do? We're following him, and we're doing this. And we're doing this. Angela, what is this? Somebody's later than you? <laughs> Look at that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woohoo! You just redeemed Angela, man. Yeah, I thought she was like the last one. <laughs> anyways, anyways, uh, we're in Romans chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, you will never have to make a second payment for your sin. It was done. Hebrews 10, 14. If you get all, uh, all that down, you won't be doubting. People who doubt their salvation, they really, that's just the starting point. People who doubt their salvation, and I know that's a real thing because understanding what God says, I was telling Beth, I said, man, I sit there and read what Dr. Rubin says, and I got it. I grasp what he says. I don't see how he could pull all those verses out all over the place like he did, but he does. And he lays them out there, and people say, well, I remember uh, Brother Siler, I went over to talk to him one time. And uh, he looked at me and says, Mike, he said, I can't teach you a thing. I'm like, oh, you teach me all kinds of stuff. He goes, no, 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 no. He said, I can't teach you biblically anything. He goes, he said, you sit under Dr. Ruckman, and that guy says stuff. We haven't even a clue what he's saying. And then he goes, and he goes, and you sit under him, and we don't know what you know. So we're scared of you. He goes, the whole city is scared of you. I'm like, I said, brother, I said, why would you be scared of me? I'm like a nothing. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. They all hate you, man. He goes, all these preachers around this town hate you. They all go to him about me. And, and he loves me. Man, me and him get along just like that. I told him I'd bring Dave Spurgeon over there, man. We'd take out anybody who bothers him. So he's, I, he knows he's got, he's got his hit people down here at Anchor that we can help him anytime he wants. But he, he laughs. He called me up here. He said, you need to come up here, man. We need to talk. He said, you're a pastor now, man. He goes, now that you're this and this and this and this. He goes, they hate your guts. Uh, he goes, but you have been exposed to stuff that we can't even fathom what the man's talking about. And I'm sitting there going, why, whoa, why can't you fathom? Do you read your Bible? Do you, do you try to read your Bible at all? Because there's no way you're going to read. I got a verse in here. Let me see if I got it. I don't know if I brought it. Probably didn't. Probably left it at home. Uh, go to Isaiah real quick. Isaiah, I think it's 40. Isaiah 40 something. I won't, I won't go too long. I promise you. I'm looking for line upon line. Pre I don't know if I got it in this book. I know I have it in my other one. I thought it was Isaiah 40 something. It says line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. But it's the way it's worded. Hang on. I can do it. I'll cheat. Hey, this isn't the pulpit, so I can do it in line. Fun. I don't care if you do, man. Hey, this thing has a value to it uh, in some cases. 
Yeah, it does, man. Isaiah 28, verse 10. Is it? Is that it? Man, it's that early? That's halfway through the verse. All right, cool. Isaiah 28, 10. Did you find that on your phone or did you find it in your Bible? Oh, yeah, good. You made me feel better. Uh, it makes me feel better, man. 28, 10. Yeah, there you go. Watch this, watch this. Now, here's the problem. Here's our problem. Here's the world's problem. If you want to know what our problem is, this is it right here. He throws it into a little book called Isaiah. To whom, uh, to whom he said, uh, da, 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 10, okay, 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge, question, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? There's two things there, knowledge and doctrine. They're two totally different things. Knowledge is stuff about the word of God that you do. Doctrine are things you need to do and you need to apply or you need to live by. Uh, them that are weaned from the milk, well, your Bible is considered the milk of, milk of the word. You're supposed to read it. And drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, and uh, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. So you're, people say, well, I, and Sam Gibbs says, the other Dr. Gibbs said about reading, oh, it wasn't him, it was uh, the older preacher. Who was that that preached that night? Talked about, uh, who was that man? My brain just slipped. But he was talking about Chronicles. Oh, uh, Brother Napier. Brother Napier. He was talking about Chronicles. Do you read Chronicles chapter 1? Do you read all those names? Do you read every one of them? Yeah, I've read it, and my tongue went numb. I've read it, man. I've read it. And I still read it. I just read through it. I'm almost done with Chronicles. I can't wait for Ezra, man. I like Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah. But I'm going to get through Chronicles, First thing Chronicles. Precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. You get a little bit here, you get a little bit there. You'll be reading through Genesis, and all of a sudden something will pop out of there from uh, from Revelation. You read Revelation, something will pop out in Isaiah, and all of a sudden you say, whoa, whoa, I remember reading that. I remember reading that. And so he says, whom shall I teach knowledge? You're taught knowledge. I'm teaching that on, on Wednesday nights about the Holy Spirit. You're taught knowledge by God. No other way. The Holy Spirit teaches you what you need, and you have to. But the only way you can get that is this thing has to go in your head. Uh, I went through schools in the Navy, and I, I would look at schematic. I had a photog photogenic mind. I could see a schematic, and it'd be on my, it, I mean, I'd look at it, and boom, and it's in my mind. It's stored. And then I forget all about it. I, I was sitting in the, the uh, Sally Station one day. There's 26, 27 texts there, and I'm sitting there, and I, everybody hates me. They just hate me because I'm a young guy coming here. I'm stationed. They hate me, uh, but that's okay. I don't care. This guy comes in. He's an engineer. He says, hey, I'm looking for this particular switch. And as soon as he said it, I'm like, my mind goes to the schematic in my head. I'm seeing it. I'm like, yeah, there's the switch right there. Oh, yeah, I know where that switch is. I know right where that switch is. And the guy, everybody in there says, you can't, that switch don't even exist. I said, no, it does. I know right where it's at. It's on that page right there. I know where it's at. I know it's in there, in there. It's in that piece of gear. And I was doing just like this, man. I was going, it's in there, it's in there. We got to pull this thing. You slide it out like this. It's right in the back back there. And the engineer goes, you're right, man. I remember that. And we go in there, and there it is. You say, that, I had the knowledge in my head, but if I hadn't sitting at school and, and had those schematics beat into my brains, I would have never, I'd have been like one of the other 26 people, never knew a thing. But I sit there and really wanted to learn, so I'm looking, and the Lord says, now watch this, now I can draw that back out, and I can make Mike look good in front of all these people. He is an idiot, and he's a moron, but he remembers stuff. So I can bring this stuff back out right now in front of everybody, and they're looking like, where did this kid get that? I'll tell you exactly where that thing came from. It came from the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything I ever did in life in the Navy came from him. I fixed stuff and didn't even know I was fixing it. And it, fixed, and it freaks everybody out, and they made me come back and tell them what I did. And I'm like, oh, no, man, now i got to tell them some, some you know, the, theological thing about electronics. i got to tell them some engineering-level stuff. And I said, Lord, I don't and, and all of a sudden, they go, bam, there's the answer. Line upon line. But then guess, let's read that on. 
For with stammering lips, seven, 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is, uh, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. The word of God. He goes, the knowledge, the, the understanding, the doctrine. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. That's the difference. I can say all day long you need to read this thing. That's what Paul's doing right here. He's talking about what Abraham and the law and grace is, and he can preach that thing all day long, and some people will get it and some won't because they don't want to hear. Our lives just don't want to see it. So Paul goes on through that thing, and so when you read your Bible sometimes, you're going to have to open your mind up to some more things. Most preachers out there don't want to open their minds up to anything. They want to, here's a building, we got to pay for the building, we got to do this, we got to do that, we got to do this, we got to go out and win souls, we got to win souls, we got to win souls, we got to win souls. You're, you're, you're probably saying, you're, you're a maniac. If you think winning souls is everything, you've missed it. And it's a whole lot more than winning souls. It is growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and living that life and one of the, learning how to be a child of the King. Winning souls is a part of that. That isn't everything. What everybody wants to do is emphasize that. Well, what you do is when you emphasize that, I, I tell everybody you ought to go, uh, Dr. Peacock's got a school down here. You can take the one-year course, and it may take you 10 years to do the one-year course. Who really cares? Don't care. What the whole purpose is is to take the course and so you can get the Bible. I went to Bible college not to learn the Bible, not to be a Bible. Well, no, I went to learn the Bible. I didn't go to be a preacher. I didn't become a teacher. I didn't, no, no. I said, look, I, I gave the Navy, I gave the Navy uh, 14 years of my life. I actually gave him 11. I said, I got saved. I said, uh, I think I should give him three. I should give him three. I should tithe on my life. And I was 33 years, 32 years old when I uh, decided, got orders to Pensacola. And I said, it's three years down there. That's about 10% of my life. I should give him three years. I'm going to go to Bible college. That was the whole reason I went. I did not go to be anything. I went down there. I figured if I learned the Bible, if he can cram this thing in my head, if my head works the same way it always does, I told Beth I'm defective. My mind is defective. I will sit there and I'll read something and I'll forget everything I just read. I'll forget it. And what I'm looking at right now, I can get. But then this goes off to the wayside as soon as I, I forget it again. And then I'll go down through here. And if I'm right here, I can. And that's why I can fix stuff. If I'm right here, I can. I'm, that's where I'm at, right there. But everything back here, I done forgot until something trips it. And when it trips it, it pops right back up. I cannot, I hate people who can just read and go, oh, and they retrieve that data like it's right there. I'm like, you haven't got to have more life to you than that. Anybody who can do that, you, you wasted too much time. But anyways, it's crazy, man. This book is insane. This tells me what I'm going to do in eternity. I'm getting ready to tell you what you're going to do in eternity. Paul says that 2,000 years ago, and people live their lives like, like eternity don't exist. And eternity is looming out there. You think he built a universe? Ah, man, this thing is crazy. Verse 9. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how. I'm like, Lord, this is too much. It's too much. You, when he says, line up on line, you want this stuff? Here it is. I, I could, could you imagine him downloading what he did in eternity in your brain at one given time? You would explode. And, and if we think all we're going to do is just sit here, play harps and stuff, it, gets, it, it goes way beyond that. Uh, you will never have to make a second payment. Uh, if you get this down, you won't ever doubt your salvation. You should never doubt your salvation. You should be so far behind your salvation. That's Hebrews. You should, I mean, you get saved. You, get sa you know you're saved. Throw that thing behind you. You're done with it. Live. Man, I tell you what. Live for Jesus. That's where the thing is. Uh, nine. Come 
Come this blessed, uh, Hebrews chapter 9. So he says, line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. You get a little bit here, a little bit there. you got to really want it. Uh, if you don't want it and you think something else in this world it trips your trigger better than what God has, you're always going to be, you're all, this is going to be boring, it's going to be this, it's going to be that, and that's, that's okay. Uh, Aaron came in here Sunday. He was here the second Sunday. I've been praying for him for almost 10 years. Uh, I see him drive by his truck. I don't hound him. I don't go up there and knock on his door. You need to get to church. Because if i got to hound somebody, that's me, not, not the Lord. I see his truck go by. Aaron comes in here Sunday, uh, two Sundays ago. I go, Aaron, man, I said, God, praise God, hallelujah. I'm glad you're here. I didn't say, you wicked devil. How come you hadn't been in church for 10 years? I didn't do none of that. I was, I was glad he got here. I mean, I was glad the guy walked in the door. And uh, so he comes back this Sunday. <laughs> he thanked me for keeping the church open, and thank me for that sermon. He goes, that was a great sermon. I'm like, well, from somebody who hadn't been in church in 10 years, <laughs> that would be pretty good. I, mean, I said, somebody who's actually been in church for 40 years, they might say something totally different. But I said, I'll take that. That's good. That's good. And he was happy. I never, I encouraged the guy. 10 years I've been praying. I said, brother, every time I see your car go by, your van, your yellow van, sticks out like a sore thumb, like a bumblebee going down the road. I said, every time I say, I pray for you. I see your car going, I pray for Levi. Levi, I feel sorry for Levi. There's nothing I can do for Levi, but I pray for him. You, you see the people, I don't even see them anymore, but you see people, and they get out here in this world, and they get so mixed up and tangled in some of the stupidest stuff on the earth that they never get their feet off this place. Your feet should never be here. Your mind should be, your, your affection should be set out there somewhere, but we get so tied up there. I'm, I'm preaching now. <laughs> you get so tied up down here, you miss it. Paul is sitting here, and he's trying to tell people. And I'm thinking, Lord, I said, I was going to call Dr. Peacock. I said, Doc, should I even mention any of this stuff? I said, I'm just going to bore him to death. To me, this is exciting. I think this is like one of the most exciting things in the, in the whole world. I love the military because I didn't have nothing else to do. First of all, that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't really have anything else to do. So I didn't care about anything else that was going on in the world. This is what I'm doing. Don't care about nothing else. I said, they, and I was tickled pink, man. They, they let me in the Navy, and they give me money, and they give me a place to sleep, and they give me food every day, three times a day. All I can eat. This is good stuff, man. I mean, what more could you possibly ask for? They give me clothes. They give me money. They give me food. They give me a place to sleep. I can buy a car. I can walk anywhere in the world. They think I got money. They give me anything I want. I mean, everything is just flying perfect. Me and the Lord can have fun. I, I can start learning stuff, and he teaches me stuff. Finally get in school. I get all that stuff. I was happy right where I was at. Brother, you know what's wrong with most people? They're, they're striving to get something down here. Well, let's get to something else. Come as this blessing upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcised also. For we, we say, verse 9, Romans 4, 9, we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. You have to be able to separate that thing. Abraham was before the law, and we're going to get into some of that. The circumcision only, that would be the Jew. That's, the, that's who this was, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that line. Not Esau, not Esau, uh, not, that's not the one that you want, not, not Ishmael. It's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 12 tribes, nation of Israel, Jews. That's, that's the Jews, that's the circumcision. Or the, upon the uncircumcised, that's everybody else. He goes, was it just for the Jews? He goes, come at this blessing then upon the circumcision only? No, God brought this in before that was given. He, gave, he brought it in, in in an uncircumcised state of Abraham. Verse 10, how was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? 
Not in circumcision, but in, but in uncircumcision. Go back to Genesis 15.1. So, the, this, this, this book, uh, I, think, I think Luther said Romans, Romans and Galatians is all you need, man. I mean, if you, he, uh, there's some people that just spent their whole life in the book of Romans. Uh, the depth of what it going, is actually going on in those two books is unbelievable. Uh, I mean, it is, you, it's, you can't hardly keep up with it. It's, it just keeps going. It, you can't fathom it. It keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. The, the Lord, if he created the atoms and he created the quarks and he created everything down below that and all this stuff, and they, they say dark matter, the space in between, all that stuff. And, and if you think about it, I mean, it, it all makes sense. You got a proton, neutron, you got an electron out here flowing. Like, what's in between here? There, there's a space here between the neutron where it goes around, the electron goes around this like that. There's a space in that atom that is, is, is what? Okay, it's something. It, it could be a billion trillion smaller pieces, smaller than what you see the electron and the neutron. That's God stuff. You start, I, I look at all this stuff, that just boggles my mind. So that's God, man, that's God. You're right at a place where God. We see it and try to explain it, and what we do is we explain ourselves right out of God. I see it, I'm like, I can't wait till I get to heaven to see who did that and why he did that. Why did you do that like that? And I, I can't wait till I get, you're going to have to have a new body, your head blow up. 15.1, Genesis 15.1, talking about Abraham here. Abraham is sitting here, just like all the rest of us. He's up on the side of a mountain. He's Gentile at this point. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision saying, <clears throat> why would the, would the word of the Lord come to Abraham? Because Abraham was willing, line upon line, he was willing to listen. You've got to be willing to, you've got to come to a place where you cross over a threshold and say, no, I know this thing is true. Uh, Dave Spurgeon comes the other day and said, why do you always say you want to go to heaven? Because I want to go to heaven. <laughs> I said, he said, you want to die? No, no, die, you missed it. The body just quits. I get to go out of this thing and go to heaven. That's where I want to go. Now, if you want to stay here, fine, have it. You can have everything I got when I go away to Beth goes. You can have that too. Uh, but I'm telling you, this is not what, this world is not my home. It never was. Uh, I did not know that for a long time, and the Lord has enlightened that stuff in my mind. Abraham is sitting here and goes, after these things, the word of the Lord uh, came in a vision, uh, came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham. I would scare me to death, man, if he started talking to me like that. Uh, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord, and here's Abraham, him and Sarah's no kids. Uh, Abraham said, Lord God, what will thou give me? So the Lord knew right what he's saying. The first thing he says to him is, seeing I go childless. And the, the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is, is mine heir. Eliezer was born there. He's going to get everything that uh, Abraham has. That's what Abraham thinks. Now, nah. verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord uh, came unto him, saying, This shall not uh, be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Now, right there is a very, very important piece of this thing. Uh, Abraham's guys, all the guys, y'all need to listen to this. Abraham, when his little wife, uh, Sarah, came up to him and said, Oh, Abraham! I can't have little kids. Here, let me give you Hagar, my handmaid, and you can go in there. And she, you never hear Abraham saying, Lord, is it coming through Hagar? No, he goes, whoa, yeah, Hagar's a pretty cool looking chick, man. I'll take that. And, he, and, and they never asked the Lord. You know what, we know what Abraham should have done right there is you know, down the road a ways. He knows that he's, he's going to be the propagator of that seed. He knows that. 
How that's coming, he don't know. That's where the Lord says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not on that understanding. It'll always acknowledge him. And he shall direct them. you gotta, you got to say, Lord, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. What, what do you, and the Lord will make that thing clear. Line upon line, precept. He'll make that thing clear. But if you sit there and say, well, I've got a blessing from God right here. I know the blessing's God. And we're going to make that thing happen. You're going to mess up every single time. Verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward the heaven. Now, this is something that you're going to start getting into. Look now toward the heaven. Uh, toward the heaven and tell the stars. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. He just gave Abraham salvation. I mean, he, you know, oh, that's Old Testament salvation. Abraham got it different than you and I got it. I said that last time. Abraham, you and I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody after the cross, you had to believe on the Lord Jesus. You go out and look at the stars and and, oh, the Lord said he's going to give me that. Well, you're still lost and going right to hell. That ain't going to happen. Old Testament, Abraham could do that. New Testament, you've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in him, and you can get saved. So he gives this before circumcision. Back to Romans. Romans chapter uh, 4, verse 10. Man, I'm going to get off this page, too. 10, how is this what saith the Scripture? So the Scripture said, 11. And he received the sign of, okay, verse 11, Romans chapter 4, verse 11. Let me get there too. Man, I, I tell you what, it's, I'm, I'm doing, I, I, I don't know how in the world Paul, I don't know how in the world anybody could stand next to Paul. Even Dr. Ruckman sometimes just blew me out of the water. This stuff just rolled right off their lips like they, they, they lived in it. They lived it. It was part of them. Uh, they, I seen Dr. Ruckman sit in a classroom and he forgot his Bible down in, in the, Thing went. His, his Bible, man, if you've seen it, it was just, there was more notes in his Bible than text in, in the Bible. And so he, and that's what he taught out of. And one day he forgot his little Bible. He's doing a little Bible. He had his Bible broke up into Bibles, sections of the Bible. And each section, that's where all the notes came from. But anyways, he comes to class. He goes, oh, I forgot my Bible down there. Somebody got a Bible. Somebody hands him a little Gideon's. And he starts teaching now that Gideon's. There's no notes in that Gideon's. There's not a single note. And he starts teaching now that Gideon's. And he's throwing references out and this, that, and that. And somebody runs down and gets his Bible, and they come back up and get his Bible. Oh, here, hey, brother, here's your, here's your Bible. And he opens it up. You couldn't tell the difference. The quality of the notes that you were getting out of the Gideons, unless somebody had that Gideons all written up. I mean, you couldn't tell the difference in the quality, of just the same as amount of references that man was given. And it, it was what it was part of him. It was just part of him. And, brother, you've got to make this thing. You know what he realized is there is a place out there called heaven. But it gets even beyond that. We think, we, I'm going to get, Paul says this here in a second. We think that you leave here absent from the body, present with the Lord, and that's true. But there comes a day when everything's going to migrate back to this. This is where it's at. This is where it's at. But not just this place. The entire universe is where it's at. The entire, we're going to, oh man. That's why they say the guy's a nut. Uh, verse, verse 11. Verse 11, 411, man, I got, we started a few minutes late, so I'm going to go a few minutes longer. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness which came later, of, of the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of them uh, that be, uh, believe, though uh, they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. That's us, the uncircumcised. And the father of uncir uh, the father, let's see, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision, 
only, but all, who also walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he being, uh, had been yet uncircumcised. So circumcision is a, sound, a sign. The Jews seek a sign. That's, that's a sign that was given to them. Uh, it wasn't something I mentioned that Sunday about uh, Jacob's son trying to sell or, or get, get Hamor and Shechem to uh, be circumcised and everything. You can't just do that. You, that's not what it is. It's not for them. It was for the Jews. It was for them, the, the chosen ones. If you are a Christian, you are no longer a Jew or a Gentile. There's three different groups. There's a Jew, a Gentile, and saved. You're one of the three. That's what you are. A Christian doesn't need a sign or a seal of righteousness of faith. I already got it. Ephesians 4.30, uh, I'm sealed until the day of redemption. Uh, uh, that's Ephesians 1.13.14, that right in there. Uh, this is why Paul said twice, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything. Y'all just went through Galatians uh, 5 and 6 and 6 and 6.15. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. It doesn't matter. Salvation is what matters. Salvation is what the key is. And when a person gets that, you're done. A Christian may be circumcised for health's sake. That's, this is a note right out of Dr. Ruckman's commentary. Uh, and I was. Uh, most, most kids are. Now everybody's saying, oh, you don't need to do this. You know. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it doesn't, if you don't trust Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter whether you're circumcised or not. Uh, circumcised or not. It just doesn't matter. Uh, but it doesn't affect his salvation or his fellowship uh, with God one way or the other. A Christian is a Christian. You're a different thing than a Jew or a, a Gentile. If you have received God as your son, uh, you've received God. You're done. You're, you're, you received his righteousness. You got saved. You received sanctification. Oh, we went through that in chapter 3, I believe. There's a whole list of stuff you received the day you trusted Jesus Christ. Really, when you get saved, it's a run that it doesn't knock you down. Like Paul or John, when he got uh, in chapter 4, uh, even Paul, you fall on your face in heaven. When you get there, uh, he, he looks up and he sees it. And he falls on his face and they have to come pick him up. You would think that when we get saved, as much stuff that just happened to you at that moment, spiritually happened, it, it should knock you down. But what we do is we, the preachers out there, which should probably not be preachers, they can, they can be soul winners, I'm not saying that, but they're not influencing the people enough to let them see that, hey, there's something more than just coming to church on Sunday morning. There's a whole lot more. It's a ton more. Uh, Abraham has all kinds of children. Uh, however, just being a child of Abraham won't do. Uh, Jesus said, uh, he said he could take a pile of rocks. He did. He said, I can, he said, I can make these stones worship me. So it isn't, it isn't just a seed line. There's a purpose for that seed line coming down. And as we go a few more, few more minutes here, we'll get it. I doubt if we'll get it tonight. The spiritual blessings of Abraham are to anyone who follow the example of Abraham in faith and obedience, John 5, 39. Uh, let's go there. Look at, that, look at that verse right there. John 5, 39. It's a walk. It's a walk. You've got to start that thing somewhere. You gotta, uh, people got, the older you get, the harder it is to do because there's so much baggage you've got to let go of. The best thing to do is when you're young, just let go and just follow Jesus Christ. You hear old guys all the time say, young people, do this, do this, just... Just figure the thing out, figure the thing out. If I can figure it out, you can figure it out. It's not that hard to figure out. But if you wait till down the road somewhere, things are just going to start getting into your life, and, and, and it's going to be harder and harder and harder to get back to where you want to go. Uh, there, there's got to be a freedom to that thing, and the Lord makes the thing freedom. John chapter 5, uh, where was I at? I was right here. Man, I lost my verse. Christian... But I lost my train of thought, too. I've got to get my train. It's just not a verse. Uh, Luke. 
Man, I don't know. It's further than that. Oh, John 539 of the spiritual blessings of Abraham. There you go. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. 539. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that I might give you, and that you might have life. I receive honor from... So if you're going to get it, in the New Testament, a Gentile has the opportunity to become a spiritual child of Abraham by faith in the promise, seed of Abraham, which is Jesus Christ. But for some reason, we think that's the stopping point. Oh, I got saved. I'm okay. Now I'm saved. And I've talked to people for the last, oh, man, years. Now I'm saved. I look at them like, you are? I'm saved. They give you testimony. I'm saved. Okay, okay, I got you, man. I'm got you. So you got saved. Yeah, and that's all, that's all right there. That's it. If I went to work for LexisNexis, if I went to work for anybody else, and they looked at me and I said, I'm a technician. Okay. Phil Nessel hired me at LexisNexis. He goes, Mike, he says, you have no qualifications to work at LexisNexis. I'm like, I know. <laughs> he goes, I said, he goes, he goes, routers and switches are different than radars and communications. I said, I know. I said, but it's all electrons. It's all the same thing. He goes, no, it's different. I said, no, no, no. Down at the molecular level, it's the same thing. I said, Phil, hire me. And he talked to me for about a half an hour. I said, you hire me. I said, one year, I said, you'll never regret that. And a year later, he, he tried to give me a raise. I wouldn't even take the raise he gave me. He goes, I didn't regret it. He goes, you're absolutely right. I said, it's all the same thing. You know, once I got that, I was like, Lord, get me out of here, man. I, I hate that too. I got to the place where I hated that stuff because I, what I did, I got to a place where I could start seeing God in everything. And I'm like, Lord, this stuff is a waste. It's a waste. It's all a waste. I don't care what you do. I don't know how far you take this thing. The end of that thing is you. I said, why am I wasting myself on this stuff over here? And I started praying about that thing, and, I, and then I, and I got out of it. Dr. Peacock came in there. People, I'm telling you, God will answer your questions and answer your prayers if you ask them. But you've got to ask them. You've got to see that you need it. You've got to see you need it. It took me till I was, uh, how long when I quit, Lexus? 14? 13? So you're talking 10 years ago, 65, 55. It took me until I was 55 years old to hate this world. That's what it took. I was miserable. Miserable ain't even the word for it. I was miserable. I went to work that day. I was going to cuss everybody out in Jesus' name. And I was going to quit, man. I was done. I was done with it. Peacock doesn't come in Monday. He doesn't, he tell, oh, Dr. Peacock. Oh, brother, what do you want to tell you? I said, I want you to tell me what's wrong with my church. You. Well, I already know that. I already know the whole problem is me. It's always me. I mean, Esther does something wrong. Beth does something wrong. It always ends up back on me. I'm wrong. Okay, now you're telling me I'm wrong. I got it, man. I'm wrong. And then uh, he goes, you need to quit. I said, have you ever tried to do that? I said, I've been working around the clock since I, I can't even remember working around the clock. I can't even remember. I can't even remember. Two jobs. It, to me, people say I ain't got no money. This is the wrong kid to talk to about that. Don't even talk to me about that. That makes no sense to me. If you work at three jobs and you can't walk no more and you fall over and you ain't got no money, then come talk to me and I'll have some sympathy on you. If you're working one job and doing like six hours a day, maybe once a week or something, and you're saying, I ain't got no money, I have no sympathy for you. Zero. I, will, I cannot even begin. I don't even know where that place is. I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, and all week long he's preaching. Everybody's getting a blessing. I'm getting madder. And I want him to leave because I already know what he's saying. You know what I want? I want God. I don't want LexisNexis. But I don't know how to get out of what I'm doing to be where he wants me to be. Oh, we start a church. 
Now, I'm doing this church at the same time I'm doing that, and I'm working 24 hours around the clock sometime. I don't get no sleep for 24 stinking hours to do Sunday on this. And I did that for a year or two. No pay, zero pay, around the clock, and I'm about ready to die. So I'm already at a place where I'm, I'm, ready to just, I'm ready to just die. Kill me, give it to somebody else. They can take it on. It will be a glorious thing, and I'll be dead in heaven. Peacock comes in, you need to, it's your fault, so you need to quit. How do you do that? By Thursday, four days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday afternoon, Lord, show me exactly how to do that. And I walk in, I see that thing, and I'm mad as a hornet getting ready to go cuss them out. And when I get in there, just before I, I exploded, they apologized. And as soon as they did, I said, whoa, apologize for what? Let me, maybe I should calm down here for just a second and listen to what they got to say. And they start talking words. And I start laughing. I mean, I went from mad way over here somewhere, like the, the matameter. I mean, I'm so far pegged over here, I can't even tell you, to on the other side, way over here, pegged on the happy meter And they're sitting there looking at me like, I'm going postal on them. I'm going to pull up a gun and start shooting everybody. And I'm like, you don't understand what I was just thinking on my way over here. I said, you have no clue. All day long, you have no clue how I've been thinking. And I've been sitting there arguing with God all day long, and he already had the problem solved. But I didn't know that. He didn't tell me that. He never does tell you that stuff. And I'm sitting there, I had to wait till 4 o'clock in the afternoon and get so mad that I walk in there, and then I feel like an idiot. And the Lord says, you want to know how to quit? I'm going to show you how to quit. They offer me a month to stay there, so not a month, month of pay, all insurance and everything, and six months pay, six months insurance, six months unemployment, and that gives me a total of seven months to try to figure out what to do. Lord says, now. And then the caveat to the whole thing was, but... We want to keep you, so fill out this application. You can have a job anywhere you want to plan. Lord said, now what are you going to do? You can, there it is. There's your job. You, you can keep your job and be miserable like you were all the time. You know you're going to be miserable. You know what I forgot for about two seconds is being miserable. And I'm like, oh, I can get my job. I can get another job anywhere I want. That's good. I forgot. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Back up, back up, back up. You were miserable. Miserable. And I'm starting laughing. I'm just laughing. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm happy. I said, they said, Mike, you got 30 days. I already knew what I was going to do. Before I got up out of that chair, I already knew what I was going to do. I already knew what the end, end of the thing was going to be. The Lord provided a way out. If we don't ask him, how can he do that? Getting saved is just the start of this thing. There's a walk that you could have that would take you way out here somewhere. Paul is trying to separate these things out and say, it's just not knowing the difference between righteousness and the law. It's, it's more than that. You have to get on the side that you need to be on so you can grow through that side. you got to let this thing over here go. And, and that's why I've had people say, well, you need to, i got people, well, if you would just be like this, I ain't going to be just like that. Forget it. Fire me. Kick me out of here. The Lord's taking care of me. I'm 50, 65 years old. I'm still fat. I've, I've lost weight. I don't know how to lose weight. I just like eating. I like ice cream. I like all kinds of stuff. I'm 65 years old, and I'm still fat. I mean, he's taking care of me for 65 years. I don't have to worry about what anybody else. Why would you worry about what somebody else thinks? I would rather worry about what God thinks. He can take care of me. And if he's taking care of me for 65 years, you just have to learn that. That's a learned thing. For the promise, well, let me finish this. In the context of Romans 4, what is the spiritual blessing of Abraham? It is the imputed righteousness of God. God imputes righteousness to Abraham, just like he did to you when you got saved. Since Abraham received that righteousness as an uncircumcised Gentile, that's what he was, then it is, it is available to anyone who exercised saving faith in what God said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. 
In the book of Romans, there is no doubt uh, where that faith is placed. It is placed in Jesus Christ and his atonement. That's exactly what it is. So when we start getting here, past this right here, uh, verse 13, I'll stop right here. But I'll, I want to read verse 13 just to wet your whistle. For the promise that he should be heir of the world, we're talking about Abraham now here, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham was promised the world. It's his. It is not ours. If you're in this room tonight and you're saved and Christian, this is not your home. You're just a passing through. This is not, it never was your home, and it's not going to be in the future. The Jehovah Witnesses got it all screwed up. They think this is their place, and it's not theirs. It was given to Abraham. The entire planet is his. The physical, literal earth, dirt is his. It's not ours. But boy, do we get something. You know, uh, go to, go to, go. Uh, oh man, I lied, I lied. Go to Revelation 21 and Genesis 1. You want to know how weird your book is? I'll show you how weird your book is. And you can say, oh, Mike, you're just out of your mind. Yeah, that's what they say about Dr. Rutman, too. That puts me in good company. One of these days, I'm going to be out of my body. <laughs> Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Genesis 1, 1, and Revelation 21. It starts right here. In the beginning, God created. Now watch the, 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 the ED, the plurality of everything. In heaven, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth. So in the beginning, he created a heaven and an earth. Go to Revelation 21. The white throne judgment's already occurred. Everything's finished. Uh, the Lord's already had his thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ. He's already reigned and everything else. Everybody's thrown into hell that's going to be in hell. Uh, heaven, and it goes right here, 21. And I saw a new heaven, singular, and a new earth. This whole place is wiped out. And he redoes it. The earth is Abraham's. And the Jews, they get that thing. Uh, the, 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 the world uses the zodiac. And the, oh man, <laughs> I don't have time. I don't have time today. I really should. That would really wet your whistle. But the, the zodiac, there's, let me, that one verse. I don't, I don't want to keep you guys. I mean, if you guys, I don't care, man. To me, this book is just insane. It's just insane. The, the, the book is crazy. Uh, it says, for the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed. Uh, anybody need more coffee? <laughs> I haven't even drank all mine. Look at it. It's still got coffee right at the lid. And it's cold. For they which are of the law, verse 14, Romans 14. I'll read that one quick. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. So they're not heirs. For the promise was of none effect, but the law worketh wrath. For where there is no, uh, no law is, there is no transgression. So that verse right here, 15, is one of the verses you ought to memorize. Never let it go. Uh, that last part says, for where no law is, there is no transgression. A baby, we all freak out about abortion. And if you want to go on abortion, go for it. I don't really care. It doesn't matter to me one way or the other. That baby dies, that baby goes right to heaven. 
Now, if you want to reason through this thing, you take a lot of the babies in the United States right now that die. They're in families raised that they may never know who Jesus Christ are, and they had raised till they get to the age of accountability, understand the law, die, go right to hell. Now, you tell me where mercy and grace is if the Lord allows those little babies to go on and die. People say, why does the Lord allow that? Because if that baby grew up and died and went to hell, isn't it better that that baby goes to heaven right off the bat? So that baby has no idea about, about the law, has no the accountability, doesn't even understand any part of that. There is people in nursing homes. I mean, I've, I've been into Alzheimer units. I watched this guy one day pick up a guitar. I mean, he's playing all kinds of Chet Atkins stuff and everything. And then you sit down and talk to him, and he couldn't even tell you what his name was. So his mind now, there could have been a place out there where he had his mind. Obviously it was because he could play the guitar. If, if in those time frames he didn't get it and he, was, he never did accept Jesus Christ, then that man will probably die and go right to hell. However, comma, there's people that are born that never be able to understand that stuff. And God has always made a provision for them. But uh, let, me, let me see if I can find that verse that I want to look at. Man, let's take a break for just a moment because y'all been sitting here for an hour while we were waiting on... Who are we waiting on? Sarah Kaiser, yeah. Oh, man, this, this is... I got to find that one verse. Opening up and telling you what your future is. And, brethren, it goes way, way, way out there. I, I, I remember saying stuff and, and it kind of wet your whistle just a hair. But until you start really looking at it, and I was wondering how far to even go into some of this stuff. Uh, but it's good to know that, uh, if nothing more, that you stop and say, you know, there's a future way out there for me somewhere. And, and what you do now depends on what that is for you there. If you choose to live this world here, you're negating that eternity sitting there that when you start looking at some of the things that he, that he has got laid out, it's going to blow you out. 11, uh, chapter Hebrews 11. 11 verse 7, I believe, is where I was at. Verse 13. It says, by faith, by faith. These all died in faith. Is it 11? Sarah, Abraham. It's 7. I don't know where in the world. I must have got ahead of myself. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of the things not yet, uh, uh, things not seen as yet, moved with fear, preparing an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. So Noah, Adam got the world. Uh, when God created everything, uh, recreated it everything after Genesis 2, people who said Genesis 1, said, Dr. Sam Gibbs said something really great the other day, if you caught it. Uh, he, he placed Genesis 2, Genesis 1-2 as the, the center point. Genesis 1 is this place back here. And Genesis 3 is this place over here. If God is as balanced as he is, which makes, I, I've always wondered about how long this period was back here. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, singular. It's not a universe. Over here, there's three heavens, three, three heavens. Uh, the earth, you take the earth itself to the outer atmosphere where the birds fly, that's heaven number one. From the outer atmosphere to the outside of the edge of the universe is heaven number two. Beyond the great deep is heaven number three. That's clear, Genesis chapter one. But in the beginning, there was only one heaven and one earth. So that's different than after three. So if that's the true, and he said there's 7,000, he thinks there's 7,000 years here, or could be. If there's going to be 7,000 over here, that would put a perfectly balanced teeter in right there at Genesis 1-2. That could be a very good possibility. Uh, so when we're sitting here looking at our Bibles, 
what you got to do is he says, if Abraham is given the world, then what's the rest of us given? Uh, Noah gets the promise. Adam, Adam was in the garden. God gave it to As a matter of fact, let's back this thing up beyond Genesis 1, 2. Lucifer had it. The one who owned the world prior to Genesis 1, 2 was Lucifer. When he sinned, what he did is he corrupted everything that was there. God shoved that thing out into an abyss, and then he created a universe around it. And now that you have, now you have the earth sitting out here in the solar system, all the galaxies. Brother, you're dealing with somebody who just speaks that stuff into being. And he, you look at our universe, scientists are sitting there going, and they never get to the end. They keep finding new stuff and new stuff and new stuff and new stuff and new stuff. They'll never get to the end. And if they could ever get to the end, what they're going to run into is God, is what they're going to run into. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. You can't even imagine what I'm doing, you have to trust me. That's why he can speak things. That's why he can come down and, Mary, you're single, you're, you're a virgin, you never had a kid, and I'm going to make you pregnant. And she gets pregnant. As a matter of fact, I'm going to come inside you and you're going to have me. What do you think about that one? I mean, you start looking at some of the things he said and he did. I'm going to die on a cross. And when I rise, I'm going to tell you the exact moment I'm going to die. I'm just going to choose the moment. I'm going to die. I'm going to be dead. And then three days later, I'm just going to come back to life. Only he could do that. There's nobody else who could do that. He spoke a universe into being, and that's where he's starting to talk at. So you're looking at this thing on this side. Well, if Abraham, Adam got it, and he sinned, and he lost it. Satan got it back. Then he comes down through there, and God kills everybody on the planet. Noah builds an ark, gets across the flood. God gives it to Noah. Noah sins, loses it. Then he, he says, Abraham, I'm done with it, man. I'm done with it. You guys are all morons and idiots. You're going to lose it no matter. I'm just going to give it to you. Everlasting. So the world was given to Abraham. Not, not the nation. The world was given to him. So where does the rest of us fit? In a sense, it takes place when Jesus Christ, a Jew, rules over the earth in the millennium. So when you, now you start getting over the millennium, he's starting to fulfill that thing. Jesus Christ comes back and rules and reigns in the millennium for a thousand years. We get to be right with him. Uh, he goes, he rules with the, the Jews, rules over the earth in the millennium, but it goes even beyond that, which it does. Back in Genesis 17, go to Genesis 17, verse 8. This is just something to open your minds up. You don't have to believe it. You can say, Mike, you're crazy, you're nuts. Uh, I'm just telling you, your God is greater than anything this planet has to offer you. Everything this world offers you is a cheap imitation of him. And what we do is we build our lives around cheap imitations of what he has. And the devil suckered us in. It's like somebody you work, 16, you ever heard a song? What is it? Who sung that song? Tennessee Who? Tennessee yeah, Tennessee 84, 16 tons. And what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. That's true. That's how the old song, the old songs actually were true. These new songs like, I can bring the Bible to you. You can't understand one thing they say. Back there, you could actually understand. They were mourning and groaning, and you work. This is what the world has for you. Genesis, Genesis 17. Did I say 17? Do, do, do. 17. Let me get there. I get a little excited sometimes when I go through the Bible. It's just, to me, it's a fun book. Verse 8. It says, I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession uh, and I will be their God. It's everlasting. What he did back here, he said, I'm going to give you the world. He's given it to him. It's an everlasting thing. He's got it forever. And what do you Genesis. That's the other end of the book. 
That's all right. You can say that. We're, we're going to be leaving here anyways. Uh, so, uh, and I will give it, he said, I'll give it for an everlasting possession. It's forever. It's his. Remember starting with the New Testament, I mentioned this earlier, that there are three branches of humanity. There's the Jew, the Jewish nation. The whole world hates the Jews. That, that, that's very understandable because what they say is there is one God and we have him and you all don't. Uh, the Gentiles get mad at the Jews because they say you have, you keep saying you're this. That's like Joseph. They got mad at Joseph. Why? Because, could you imagine? I'm Joseph. And, and 11 of you guys are going to bow down to me one day. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just, they just killed a whole city of people. Uh, and they kill people left and right. What do you think they're going to do to Joseph? They have no, they have no, they don't care whether it's his brother. You ever read through there in, a, 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 what's her, Athaliah? Kills all of her, the king's, all the king's seed is always killed. When somebody takes over king, everybody's killed. I mean, they kill everybody else's seed royal. They just kill them all. Uh, Solomon was the only gracious one of the whole bunch. He didn't kill them any. But all these other kings, they took over. Death was nothing to them. They could care less. Life and death was, it didn't matter. So you're sitting here. It's an everlasting possession. The Jew, everybody hates. Uh, ask Hitler. Man, they all hate him. Uh, they're finding a reason to do it. They, they can't, what they miss is the blessing of God. They blame a people and if you look at the Jewish nation as a people, there are some mean people, man. It has nothing to do with them. It has to be God. I'll bless them that bless thee, and I'll curse them that curse thee. What people do is they miss the overlying blessing that God put on those people, and then they blame the people because God blessed them, so they're really mad at God. The Gentile is the one who gets mad, and then the church. We are the church. If you're born again, you've, you've come out. You could be Jew or Gentile. You come out of that, you get saved, you become part of the church. That should be where your life starts. It should be, this should be one of the most important things in your life. You become part of the body of Christ. You need to find out what that, that is. The physical seed of Abraham, the Jew, gets the world. Verse 13. Uh, back in Romans 13. We read that. Back in Romans 4.13. So once he gets the world, oh, man. Now you'll, you'll know why I want to go to heaven. And it's really, you know, when you start singing, you come right back here. It's, you're not leaving this place. Because God has a plan, and his plan is everlasting. And, and you're part of that plan. Don't waste your life down there. 13. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So the, he was heir of the world. Abraham's getting the world. Uh, the physical world is going to be the Jews. Then the Gentiles and the church don't get it. We don't get it. We don't get the world. It's not ours. What's wrong with the churches today, you get a lot of different churches out there, they'll say that we replaced the Jews in the New Testament, and, and that's not true. The tribulation comes back to the Jew. I, uh, Sarah asked me a question the other day. She was talking to somebody, and they said if they don't get saved basically in the, they get saved basically in the tribulation the same as they do the Jew. No, it's not true. Uh, if you don't understand rightly dividing, you won't know where the divisions are. And in the tribulation, it's back to the Jew, and they have to believe and live it until they get their head cut off or whatever, and then they go on to heaven. If not, they could, do, they could believe and live it and take the mark and die and go right to hell. It, it's a law and works type of thing, but it's to the Jew. It's not to us. There will be a lot of Gentiles get saved out of that thing, but it's not to us. Uh, Genesis 17, 8 uh, says what it means. It's an everlasting possession. The Jews get the new earth. So when we read over in, Revela in Revelation, it's a new heaven and new earth. 
If that's the case, I was going to bring my drawing board because I didn't think I'd get this far. But if you take the universe, it sounds, it sounds like in the beginning out here somewhere, before Genesis 1-2, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, that scenario that was sitting there that Satan blew, that messed it up, Lucifer messed it up, God's going to do away with all that, do away with all this. Revelation chapter 1, he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth to mirror that. Genesis 1-1. When he does and brings this thing over here like this, now all of a sudden you got exactly what he had back here, which was not Genesis 1-3, it was Genesis 1-1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and we messed that thing up. Lucifer included started that thing, messed it up, and he started all this over here to get back to this right here. So then over in Revelation 1, after everything is done, sin's done, he's got this. So what do we get? Go to Revelation chapter 21. It's a crazy book. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. He tells you exactly how to read your Bible. But you got to read your Bible. You can't get out of it by not reading your Bible. There's no way. Study to show thyself a proven of God to work. You can study it all day long. You got to read it. You got to read it, then study it. It takes two. But if you don't read it, how in the world is the Lord going to say, Remember that switch? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else does. I said, yeah, but I know what I, I see. It. I can see it. I've seen the picture that day. But that guy walked in. I, see, I was like, oh, oh, I see it. I see it. Oh, I see it. I feel it. I can see it. I know it wasn't that bad, but, but it was bad. <laughs> I mean, because to me, I just get excited about that stuff, man. I mean, I, like, I can see it, man. I can see it. Uh, the Lord, you have to do that stuff. I think he taught me all through the Navy that, that precept. Uh, I went, the, when all those engineers came in, they were, uh, Steve Tice, I wish you were, he's that little geek man. If I'd have listened to him, I'd have been a billionaire today. He had all them little Epson things about this big. In, in 83, 1983, stupid little things like this big, but they were just little green screens with little letters, and you could type on them like that. He was pre-text. He was, he was pre-phone. Uh, that's what he was. There's some, some pre-phone, post-phone, uh, off-phone. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, it'd be, uh, he was pre-social media. There's pre-social media, off-social media, and post-social media. But anyways, he had these things. He had them in every room in his house, man. The guy was a moron, but he's, a, he's like a geek. He's a super geek. Well, he blew out the power lines to, he went down and did something stupid, and he put the generators online at the same time the Bepco was online, and they were out of phase, and he blew out 400 feet of line. 440 lines, two sets, sets of 440 lines. He blew them away from the building. So we were on generators the whole time. And then they were coming in, all these engineers coming in doing all this stuff. And the, to make sure that no idiot could ever do that again. And I'm down there, just, what are you doing? And they discuss it. 100 people say 100 different things. And one night, let's see, that's where God does what he does. We think that he don't do this stuff. He does that stuff. He does that to make him look good. And he uses us to do it. I'm at I'm work one night, and it's about 1 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden, this place is getting ready to crash and burn. Now, to understand the, the thing, we fed the information to the entire fleet. Via the satellites, everything came out of Washington, came out of Cam's Land, came out of anywhere, Army bases, I don't care where. They came to us. We shot it up. Everybody in the world got it. If this site goes down, it takes 15, 20 minutes to bring another site up and do that. It's, it's critical that that don't ever happen. So you want to, if you're going to change over to another site, you got to plan it so they can come. Long story short, I'm sitting down there going, and all this stuff starts coming back. 
This guy said, I didn't know any bit of that, but all of a sudden I said, oh, oh, it was like, flip this thing, do this, do that, watch that, do this, do that, do this. And I came up with this one switch, man, this last switch, this big old monster switch like this. And I ran everybody out of the room. I, I figured that I'd flip that switch and that thing's going to explode and it's going to plaster me on the back of the wall over here. But I'll be in heaven anyway, so who really cares? And I ran everybody out of the room and I flipped that switch and you could hear the generators the two generators sync up together because that's what one was going down. The other one's okay. And I brought them up. And I had this thing crisscross. You wouldn't believe how this thing was crisscross. I didn't think nothing about it. I go to bed. I, get, I have to go back in at 8 o'clock in the morning, get off at 6, go to bed. By 8 o'clock, I'm back in there. Balovich is just looking at me. Tell him how you did it, Mike. I'm like, uh, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> goes, no, tell him how you did it. Nobody in this room could do what you did. Tell him, tell him how you did it. And I'm like, well, you said this, you said that, you said this, you said that, you said this, you said that, you said this, you said this. And God brought that back to my memory that night. What are the chances of being in that situation at that particular point and happen to be in all the other situations where you could hear all these other people say what they said to be in that position at that point at that night and then make the decision to do it? That's God. There's no other way that could be. That could be nobody else. It's not me. That is not me at that point. What the Lord says is, if you don't read your Bible, and he put me in charge of tech ministry, you don't read your book, how are you going to know anything? Revelation 21. Revelation 21. The Jews get the world. Well, what's the rest of us get? Uh, that might be Revelation 22. Probably not. Oh, yeah, yeah, 21, 23. Uh, maybe I want to go back to a couple. Let me see, let me see, let me see. Yeah, 9, 21, 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of seven last plagues, and talked to me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me. Now the bride, the Lamb's wife, is, is the, we're the bride of Christ. So he's showing you the lamb's wife. That's us. The, the two are almost synonymous. They're tied together there. And he goes, having the glory of God. Uh, wait a minute. Did I miss something there? Uh, and he carried me away in the spirit, verse 10, to a great and high mountain and showed me that great holy city, uh, the holy new Jerusalem, descending out of heaven, having the glory of God. So then he starts talking about this cube, uh, 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles, like a di double diamond. Uh, sitting on its edge, it's coming down out of heaven, and it sits on the new earth at Jerusalem. That's us. That's the church. That's where we're going to be right there. Now, we'll get to go anywhere else we want to be, but that's our place. That's, that's the Lamb's bride. That's it right there. So the world itself is, is the Jews, and then this thing sits down on this earth, and that's New Jerusalem. That's the Lamb's wife. So that's two parts of that three. Now go back to Deuteronomy. I believe it's Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 419. Strange verse. Strange little verse. Now see, I'll read Dr. Roman stuff. I believe it. I believe it. I read it. I see it. I say, yeah, I got it, man. Uh, my problem is, is, how did you ever see that? Deuteronomy what? Deuteronomy's 4.19. My, my problem with the whole thing is, Doc, how did you see that thing? Well, I know how you saw that. The Lord showed it to you. After you read your Bible 197,000 times, uh, you're going to get, I mean, he read his Bible, throw it across the room, get mad at it. When he first started getting saved, or I think before he got saved, he read his Bible before he got saved. And he, it was like talking to him, and he'd throw it across the room, get mad at it. And he'd go pick it up and start reading it again. 419. And, and uh, man, he, oh, man, where do you start here? 
15. Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye, for ye saw no manner of similitude on that day that the Lord spake unto you in the Horeb out of the, mount, uh, out of the midst of the fire. Uh, lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you uh, a graven image, the similitude of any figure or any likeness of, of male or female. The danger, the danger in our countries, we're just as wicked as the next one is, the danger of, of all the things we have, we've placed things in our eyes that take the place of God, takes, takes the glory out of God's life. Uh, verse 17, the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, it's not just a statue, uh, the likeness of any winged fowl, uh, you know, falcons. You know, the, you ever get these teams, the baseball teams, uh, every, every team, man, they got these names, uh, that flyeth uh, in the air, the likeness of anything that is, creepeth on the ground, and the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. 19, and lest thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the hosts of heaven shouldest be driven to worship them and to serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. You know what he just told you? He goes, when you're standing on the earth and you look at this thing and you walk around like this and you look at the stars, there's, and if, it, if it's, and there's other verses, I'm going to shut up right here after this. I'll let you whistle next week. I'll get the rest of it. But, but he, what he does, the zodiac is actually pretty close. It is 12 divisions, 12 star clusters, 12 different positions around this thing. And just like the, the Jews have 12 tribes, there's going to be 12 clusters, and the Gentiles are going to go out there. This universe is going to be populated by Gentiles in, in for eternity. That They say, well... If you get all the signs, well, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. And what's the matter between these? I mean, I see these, these uh, pictures that Hubble's got, and they'll, they'll focus out on a black spot out there. And I don't even see how they see the black spot, because once you take the Hubble, you see all these lights. But once you get all the stars in there, every now and then you'll see this little spot, like right here, where there's nothing. And they'll focus the Hubble right into that spot right there. And, and they go, there's hundreds of millions of galaxies beyond that. There's things that you can't even see out there that are there. Why would God make all them? Because he divides it up into three groups, and he tells you in their Bible exactly what groups are going to get what. And he says, don't be looking at the stars out there. That's given to somebody else. Abraham, this is yours, and it'll be yours forever. All the rest of this stuff out here, man, you know how valuable it is for you to do the right thing? He might just give you like a whole sector or give you four or five galaxies to take care of. I'm talking about the size of the Milky Way. He said, Mike, I, he says, uh, he says uh, I gave you one pound. You made five. I think I'll give you 25, 30 galaxies to take care of. I'm telling you, brother, this thing's going to get big. It's going to get big. It's going to be big. You want to, everybody wants to elevate in this. I want to be a vice president. I want to be the CEO. Gates has nothing on what God has. Nothing. I'm sitting in Jerusalem, New Jerusalem, and the Lord says, Mike, How's your galaxies doing? I don't know. Let me go check. I'm there. Well, they all look pretty good to me. I'm back. Hey, Lord, they look pretty good. He goes, I already knew that. I already knew that. I was there too. I said, well, I didn't do it. I really didn't have to leave. I already knew. I'm just like you. I mean, I really already knew what was going on. There won't be no more sin. There won't be no more messed up stuff. This galaxy, this universe, God did not create the universe just to create it. It is more than law and grace. 
It is more than just getting saved. It's a whole lot more than that. It's more than having stuff down here. It's more than that. If that's where we st we're missing all that stuff out there and the glories of this book right here, he has it just like that verse right here. When he told them in 19, he goes, uh, God hath divided unto all nations. That's what he's given to the nations under the whole heaven. What? The stars. He said, I gave that to them. So what's the devil do? He comes up with the zodiac. So that you will say, oh, that's wicked. That's of the devil. Well, that kind of is. But the positions of all that other stuff out there, they are there. He mentions Pleiades. The Lord mentions that stuff in here. He mentions those clusters out there. So the devil always takes something God has and tries to corrupt it. He'll take everything we have and corrupt it. What you have to do is get beyond that and let the Lord show you out of this book. But again, you know what it gets back to? Reading it. If you don't read it, it won't do you any good. It won't. You still reading it eight times a, a year? Six? No, I'm trying. Oh, amen. <laughs> That's good truth. I'm trying. Yeah. I have to force myself. I have to force myself to sit down and read that thing where I can read it four times a year. I have to force myself. I have to make the time. Something else has to go off the wayside. I have to make the time. You have to make the time. You say, why would you do that? So as somebody mentions a verse here or a verse here, and I got that, man. I got that. I got that. I've sat in churches. Uh, uh, Matthew and Luke give you two genealogies. Most people read those genealogies, never catch it. I sit in a church one night. She was with me. We stopped on the way back from uh, uh, Pensacola, Florida, to date, uh, going back to Norfolk, Virginia. I went down there to get a house or something, and we stopped in Greenville, South Carolina, and I found a church, found the Lord led me right to it, God preached. Still tell you what God preached tonight. He preached on that passage, of those two passages, and he showed where this bloodline was the bloodline of Joseph. This bloodline was the bloodline of uh, Mary. And then I'm sitting there going, Lord, I said, Nathan goes right back to Nathan and Solomon of David and Bathsheba. I said, here's Bathsheba, had two boys, and, and the Lord starts magnifying this one in everybody's life, and the devil goes right for that guy, misses this guy over here altogether. He comes down through here like that, and next thing you know, here's a little lady over here named Mary. She comes out of that bloodline, and the Lord comes right over here and comes right out of that, and the devil's still over here on the wrong side. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, there's no way anyone can do anything without you guiding and directing their steps. There's no possible way. How are you going to get from... David and Bathsheba through Nathan and every step of every day down through that place to keep Mary pure down here where she can have a little baby one day and Gabriel can come down and say, blessed art thou among me. And she can, we miss the, the magnitude of what God did here. And that's what he wants to do in your life too. There's no difference. It's the same thing. But you got to stop and say, Lord, what would you have me do? That's what Paul did. Paul knew his Bible. So when the Lord knocked him down on the road to Damascus, he already knew it. It was just, the Lord said, how about this, how about that, how about this? He had a Ruckman experience is what he had. The Lord gave, gave Paul his Ruckman experience, but it was the Lord doing it. And, he, and Paul said, I know all this stuff, and his little head about ready to explode. I mean, he had to shut his eyes out. He had to do something to him to get him calmed down. And he got him to sit there and think and got his attention, and then all that stuff started flooding his mind. Then he takes him off to the back of the desert for three years, beats the rest of it in his head, and the next thing you know, Paul writes all these books, and he casually writes, I'll bet you 90% of the people who read across Romans, they got 13, 14, 15, would have never just went through what I went through. Unless you knew Dr. Roman. You'd have never done it. You'd have read across that thing, kept reading. You're reading. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get that, well, if Abraham has got everything, what do I get? 
Well, I get Revelation 21. I get the new heaven, new Jerusalem coming down. 1,500 by 1,500, that's where your mansion's at. 1,500 by 1,500 cube, that's a big cube. There's a lot of, a lot of things on it. That's church age, 2,000. But that right there is not where you're going to live there. Well, you're going to live there, kind of. I don't know if I want to live there or not. I mean, if, if everything's made out of gold and it's crystal clear, you can see what your neighbor's doing everything, man. I mean, it's like, there's no, where's the, where's the peace at there? <laughs> peace and joy and happiness and love and all that other stuff, man. That's, that's in between the galaxies is where that's at. Out there in the, the black abyss where there's nobody at, man, that's where you find the peace. I don't know. Brother, this thing right here, when I look at it, the more I see what goes on out there, man tries everything man has done. All the shows you watch, I don't care what you watch, they all show man's failures. And it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. I don't want it to get worse and worse and worse and worse. I want to get better and better and better and better. And the only way, it looks like it's raining out there. So maybe we should go on for another two hours so y'all don't get wet. 